Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Community Church, a family of grace on mission with Jesus to glorify God. We hope that the following message will help you as you grow closer in your walk with Jesus. Uh, a man with a wife and children finds out that his uncle has passed away and he quickly uh, flies up to his home state and is reunited with his brother and goes on a cross-state adventure, reunited with dozens of family members he hasn't seen for over 10 years and ends up rediscovering things about his childhood and his life has changed forever. Uh, well, that really wasn't a movie. That was my life last week. <laughs> Other than the life being changed forever part at the end, that could be, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I found out uh, last week that my uncle John had passed away. Uh, he's only 59 years old. It came as a surprise. And my grandmother is still alive. It's the first of my mom's siblings that has passed away. And so uh, my wife and I felt that it was very important that I do everything I could to get up there and uh, be with the family and be a part of, of his uh, services. And so thankfully, we, able, we found travel right away. And I was able to fly up, left early Tuesday morning, flew right back on Wednesday afternoon. And it was a pretty amazing experience because I I got to spend time with almost every single family member on my mom's side of the family. Now to understand the significance of that statement, you have to understand a little bit about my mom's family. My mom has seven brothers and sisters. Those eight children have 27 children between them. And those 27 grandchildren of my grandmother, of which I am one, have over 40 children so far. And some of them are still too young to have kids. And so when I say that I reunited with almost every single family member, I'm talking about well over 80 people when you count uh, spouses and uh, cousins and cousin spouses and their children and some of their children now are married. Uh, it was a pretty amazing thing. I, I was in my, uh, I was in the memorial and, you know, up in the North, I'm not sure where you're from, but usually when someone passes up in the North, they have a viewing and they have a, a extended time where people come and they just pay their respects to the family. Uh, and so of course my grandma, if you've ever been to one of these, you know, she's kind of seated in her place and the line is out the door of people going to pay their respects to my grandma and tell her that they're so sorry for her loss. And uh, there were easily 200 people who came to the service and half of them were directly related to me, either as aunts and uncles or cousins or second cousins. My whole family was there, including my mom. It was really an an incredible experience. Now, what made it even more incredible is that I have been planning to start our series on Genesis on this date for over three months. I've been planning to get up here and talk to you about origin stories and the importance of knowing where we came from for over three months. And it just so happens that last week I get an opportunity to go home and reunite with family members that I haven't seen in over 10 years in in many cases. Uh, it It was amazing. What a powerful reminder from the Lord of how important origin stories matter. Um, You know, I did uh, forget one of my cousins. I felt bad about that. I didn't know who they were. Uh, And I got to reunite with my cousin Jeremy and my cousin Clint, who are the same age as me. Um, And they picked on me a lot as kids. And I reminded them that I'm bigger than them now. So that was a lot of fun. Um, Today, we're going to start a series on the book of Genesis, and we're going to, uh, this series is called Origin Story. And what we're going to do throughout this series is we're going to talk about uh, the original intention of Genesis. What was the point of this book that God inspired Moses to write? Who were the people that received it? Why did it matter to them? And today, we're going to specifically talk about 
the power of Genesis as an origin story. Why is it so important as followers of Jesus Christ that we understand Genesis chapters 1 through 12? Uh, What are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the controversies? Obviously, Genesis is a book that a lot of people have questions about. And so we're going to begin our series on this book today. We've already started, by the way, a Bible study on the book of Genesis in our adult equipped class. So we're on now next week will be week four of the Bible study. And we did that on purpose because in Genesis, there's so much to talk about. And some of the topics can get a little bit technical. And so we've kept most of the heavy lifting in the Sunday school class, which is a great time, by the way. Uh, But we're going to focus our time in our worship hour on just the main themes and some of the really obvious applications that we want to grab a hold of as followers of Jesus. So just so you know uh, what's in store in this series, we're going to talk about things like who was Genesis originally written for? Uh, Is Genesis anti-science? We're going to talk about the purpose of creation and how as humans we are to relate to it. We're going to talk about the consequences of sin and where did evil come from? Why does God allow so many bad things to happen? We're going to see how the promise of the Savior, the promise of Jesus is present all the way back at the beginning in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to talk about Noah's flood and was this something that really happened? How do we make sense of it? What are we supposed to learn from it today? We're going to talk about the the Tower of Babel and the scattering of the nations and is there anything uh, in archaeology that backs up that this happened and, and why would God do such a thing? And then we're going to conclude our series by talking about the calling of Abraham and God's promise of a deliverer. This is going to be, by the way, a great series. If you have any friends who are kind of skeptical about the Bible, or they make statements like, well, you know, the Bible is anti-science, or science has disproved the Bible. This is actually a pretty good series to invite those people to come, because I'm going to take a very apologetic approach in this series. That doesn't mean that I'm going to say I'm sorry a lot. Uh, What that means is I'm going to really try to help people understand how can we know that what we're reading is more than just a faith statement, Are there things that we've observed through archaeology and science that actually back up what is happening in Genesis? And I'm here to tell you the answer is an overwhelming yes. It's actually going to take our breath away a little bit when we start to look at these things, uh, which we'll begin to do next Sunday. But today what we're going to talk about is the importance of origin stories. We're going to talk about the importance of Genesis as an origin story for God's people Israel and for us today. It is so important that we understand that Genesis chapters 1 through 12 are the foundation for which all of the Christian faith is built. It's no stretch to say that every core, every essential doctrine of Christianity is present in Genesis 1 through 12. And if we're not careful with how we interpret and understand Genesis 1 through 12, we can actually undermine some of the uh, cherished uh, items of our faith that are so important. And so today, the main point of our message is that origin stories matter. Origin stories matter. And if you have a Bible with you, turn all the way back to the very beginning, to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the very first verse of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, you can use your smartphone or tablet device. And if you open up the YouVersion Bible app, uh, under the events uh, tab, you'll find uh, our live event, which has all the scriptures and the outline and everything you need to follow along on your smartphone or your tablet device. But we're going to start this morning with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God 
created the heavens and the earth. Would you pray with me? Father, what a power-packed phrase. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You are the alpha and the omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are before all things and you exist forever. You are powerful and yet you are personal. And you offer us the promise of a relationship with you by salvation in Jesus Christ. God, help us as we begin this look at Genesis chapters 1 through 12 to understand the importance of these verses, of these chapters. Help us to uh, stay out of the weeds of some of the controversies and details so that we can see the beauty and the majesty of a self-existing creator who speaks the universe into being and who calls us by the word of his power to be his children in Christ. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 1, verse 1. That's as far as we're going to get today. I promise we'll pick up the pace a little bit as we go forward, but today we're just going to stay right in Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And before we uh, even begin to talk about the creation account and uh, how do we understand these six days and how old is the earth and what does the science say and, and, and all these other questions, before we even get there, we need to take a moment and understand who the people were that originally received this book of Genesis. What was their situation? Why did it matter to them? Because I think what we're going to find out is that if we understand who the original people were who received the message of Genesis, we're going to see that there's a really strong connection between why they needed this message and why we need this message today. The book of Genesis was written by a man named Moses. Many of you have probably heard of Moses. Uh, He is the person that God gave the Ten Commandments to. Uh, He is the one in the movies, you know, with the stone tablets and the long beard. Who knows if he actually looked like that. But most people through popular culture or through some kind of church background have heard who Moses is. And Moses was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the book of Genesis. Now, we don't know exactly when Moses wrote the book of Genesis. Uh, It's very likely that the things, the stories of the history contained in Genesis had been told before Moses. It's very likely that uh, people throughout the the ages uh, from Abraham and and before had told of God's creation, had maybe even uh, recorded these things on stone tablets or other mediums. Uh, But Moses is the one who took those things together under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and wrote what we know today as the book of of Genesis. And when you read the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis very naturally continues into the book of Exodus. And then the book of Exodus continues into the book of Leviticus, and that continues into the book of Numbers, and then that continues into the book of Deuteronomy. And those five books of the Bible were by Moses. And they tell a fairly chronological story of the creation of all things and God's calling out of a special people. Israel. And my uh, contention, my belief is that Moses wrote the book of Genesis for God's chosen people, Israel, as they were about to enter into the promised land that God was going to give to them. That they needed this reminder that God is the God of power and the God of promise as they were entering into the land that God has 
promise, had promised them. It was meant to be an origin story for God's people to empower them to put their faith in this creator God and to believe that the promise that he had given all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, the promise that he had given to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, that that God of power and promise was going to do the same thing for them that he had done for their forefathers. And so Genesis serves as a powerful origin story. Origin stories matter. And the first reason that origin stories matter is that origin stories tell us where we came from and they help us get where we need to go. Origin stories tell us where we came from and they help us get where we need to go. Take your Bible and turn over to the book of Numbers chapter 13. So uh, it's probably 40 or 50 pages depending on how small the print is in your Bible. If you have a larger print Bible, it might be more pages than that. Uh, But turn over to the book of Numbers uh, to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to start with verse... 17 in just a moment. So put your thumb in Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. And what we're going to see in Numbers is that where we're going to pick up the story of God's people is they are about to go and investigate this promised land that God had told them that he would give to them. But to understand what's happening here, we have to rewind a little bit all the way back to this man named Abraham. Abraham had been called by God and God told him, I am going to make you a great nation and I'm going to bless you. We can kind of rewind We'll get to Numbers 13, 17 in just a moment, but let's, uh, uh, let's rewind a little bit. Um, Mo, uh, Abraham had been promised by God that he would become a great nation and that God would give him a special land as his possession. God told Abraham that all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through him. And then Abraham received his promised son Isaac, and then Isaac had a son named Jacob. And then Jacob had these children that became the 12 tribes of Israel. As you follow the story, one of Jacob's children, Joseph, is sold by his other brothers into slavery, and he goes down into Egypt. And while he's in Egypt, an incredible famine comes over God's people in the land of Cana. And they go down to Egypt thinking that their brother is dead, looking for food. They're looking for deliverance. And when they get there, no surprise, they're reunited with Joseph, but they don't know that it's him. And so Joseph kind of tests them. He wants to see if his brothers had changed or not. And so he hides a, a bunch of money and a cup in their youngest brother's bag. And he accuses them of theft. And he goes to this whole production to find out that sure enough, they had learned from their mistake. They had changed their ways. And then Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. They reunite. They bring down their father, Jacob. And all of Joseph's family, so Abraham's descendants, they all come down to Egypt. And they stay in Egypt for four hundred years. And while they're in Egypt, they become slaves to the Egyptian people until God raises up this man named Moses. And when God raises up Moses, he calls him to go to Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh the famous words, let my people go. And so God delivers plagues and signs and Pharaoh hardens his heart. And finally, finally, the last sign God takes the firstborn son of every family in Egypt and Pharaoh says, just get out of here. I don't want to see you. Just go. Now, I want you to imagine for just a moment that you're a six-year-old child. That's how old my son is. You're a six-year-old boy or you're a six-year-old girl and you're part of this group of 800,000, a million plus people, however many it was, who are leaving Egypt. 
and you make this journey out of Egypt, and then you start hearing your parents talking, and they're saying, they're coming, they've changed their mind, Pharaoh's armies are on the way, and you realize that you are in deep trouble, that vengeance is hot on your heels, and you get to the beach, and behind you is basically the Gulf of Mexico, and before you is Pharaoh's army. And you've been led by a pillar of fire. And the pillar of fire parts the waters. And you walk across on dry ground with your parents and your grandparents and your siblings and your cousins and your clans. And you look back as Pharaoh's army is charging through. And you watch those waters crash down on that army the way that they were about to crash down on you. And you watch them drown and you have been delivered by God. And you go with your family out into this desert wilderness. What's going to happen next? What is going to become of us? You're a child. You don't know what is going to happen. And so we pick up the story at this point where God is ready to show his people what he has in store for them. God is ready to show his people why he brought them out of Egypt, why he miraculously led them through the Red Sea, why he had sent Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. God is ready to show them. But first, they need to find out a little bit more about this promised land. And so in Numbers chapter 13, verse 17, we read this. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said to them, go up into the Negev and up to the hill country. And see what the land is, and whether the people who dwell in it are strange or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Nothing wrong with this. Let's find out what we're in for. God had promised them the land, but he hadn't promised to give it to them without their participation. They were going to have to go and possess the land. They were going to have to go and drive the people in the land out to take possession of what God had promised them. And so they send this group out to do a little recon work, to find out what kind of cities they have. There's nothing wrong with this, but things go terribly wrong when they come back. And in verse 27 of Numbers 13, it says this. They told this report, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. They come back, and they say, wow, this is better than we could have ever imagined. God's promise. He wasn't kidding that this is a promised land, but it's never going to happen. And that was their report. We are never going to be able to do this. And so in chapter 14, starting in verse 1, we hear how the people responded to the report. And it says, all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. 
would it not be better for us to be back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Back to Egypt. Think about this. Back to where they were slaves. Back to the place where God had miraculously led them out, where God had demonstrated by his power through the 12 plagues that he was the Lord. Back to the place that God had cursed to the people that God had drowned in the Red Sea. Now, I've heard a lot of people preach about this text. And most of the time, the focus of the teaching is correctly on the faithlessness of these people because that is the obvious takeaway here. How, how is it possible that they could go through all of this and yet still be doubting? How is it possible that they could have seen all these signs and, and, and gone through the Red Sea and yet not believed? And I, and I, and I understand that. That, that, is, that is an appropriate focus on the text. But I want, I want us to consider another part of this story. They had been in Egypt for 400 years. They had lost their origin story. They had, whether they knew it in their head or not, they had not believed in their heart what Moses writes in Genesis about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had lost the understanding that God is the God of power and the God of promise. Their origin story was as slaves back in Egypt. And let me suggest to you that they were more comfortable going back to the slavery that they knew than they were pressing forward in the unknown and putting their faith in the God of power and promise. And so they said, it would be better if we died or it would be better if we went back to Egypt. Now again... I want you to think about being a six-year-old, listening to these conversations, listening to your parents saying, who does this Moses guy think he is? He's going to get our kids killed. There's no way this is going to work. We should all go back. And listen to what the response of the Lord is in verse 22 of Numbers 14. The Lord says, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give their fathers, and none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. God says to the unbelieving, none of these adults will ever set foot in the promised land. You know, people wonder sometimes, why, I've heard people ask this question, why did God lead Israel out into the wilderness for them to wander for 40 years? And the answer is he didn't. He didn't. He led them into the wilderness to get them ready to go and possess the land fairly quickly after they came out of Egypt. But they didn't believe. 
they were more comfortable with their slavery in Egypt than they were putting their faith in God. And so that generation grew up and became old and they died. And then it was time for a new generation to enter into God's promised land. And I want you to think about that child who stood on that beach with the waters behind them and the army in front of them. I want you to think about that child that passed through the waters who saw the armies of Egypt wiped out by the Lord God, who saw the unbelief of their parents and the judgment of God and who are now 46, 47, 44, depending on how old they were. And now it's their turn. Now God is going to send them into the promised land. The same giants are there. The same land flowing with milk and honey is there. Cana hasn't changed. But now it's your turn. Now you're the one who needs to go forward in faith. But there's a problem. You don't have an origin story. Because you left Egypt as a child. And the only life that you have ever known is a life of wandering in a desert wasteland. What is going to give you the identity? What is going to give you the courage? What is going to be the foundation of your faith to believe that you could possibly go into this land and defeat these giants and receive the promise of God? What could possibly convince you? It wouldn't be your parents because their faith was lacking. I believe it was the story of Genesis. I believe that Moses had instilled in these people that they were the children of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I believe that he had instilled in them that they were the children of the God of power and promise, that they were the rightful descendants of the God who spoke the universe into existence and had promised them a land for their possession. And I believe that the book of Genesis served as the origin story for this new generation of Israelites who needed the faith, who needed the foundation to trust in this God. Caleb and Joseph are great examples of those who went against the grain. The majority of Israel rejected God's promise. And it was their children who were now going to go up and take possession. Origin stories are important because they tell us where we came from and they help us get where we need to go. These children of the faithless parents needed to see who their true heritage was, who their true heroes were, and most importantly, who God was. So turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 29 and listen to the charge that this new generation is given as they are about to enter into the promised land. Moses gathers the people together, all the leaders, and he says this in in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 10. He says, you are standing today, all of you, before the Lord your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives and the sojourners, who is in your camp, 
from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, so that you may enter into the sworn covenant of the Lord your God, which the Lord your God is making with you this day. This is it. (laughs) This is the moment they've been waiting for. It's time to move forward and receive the promise. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey? Anybody heard that before? Not so much with the wilderness wanderings, okay? Uh, I mean, I get the sentiment, like, you know, don't get so obsessed with the end result that you can't enjoy the moment. Trust me, I'm not trashing the statement. But think of it this way. If you're somebody who wants to run a triathlon and you hire a trainer who trains you to run a 100-meter sprint, 300 meters into your triathlon, when you collapse and everyone else keeps going, you're not so thrilled with the journey, okay, that you just went on, okay? The journey is absolutely connected with the destination. And and, and these people are getting ready to enter into the promised land. They've been wandering for 40 years. Now they have their own families. Now they have their own children. And Moses is charging them to show the faith that their parents didn't, to identify not with slavery in Egypt, but with the God of power and promise revealed in Genesis, with the people of promise, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The second reason origin stories are important is they reveal the positives and the negatives of who we are and where we come from. Origin stories reveal the positives and the negatives of who we are and where we came from. It's interesting, if you turn over uh, to 1 Corinthians, and we, we won't read it right now, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul actually uses the disobedience of Israel, and he says to the church, listen, you know, we're, we're part of this heritage, we're, we're, we're part of this, but let's, let's look back and, and learn from their mistakes. Let's understand that we don't have to repeat the mistakes of, of, of our past. You know, when I was up uh, at, at this funeral, um, it was awesome to, to reunite with, with, with my mom's family, and, and it was great to, to talk about our childhood and, and about the old stories. But, um, and if any of my family listen to this later online, I want to be clear. I'm not saying this to, to criticize my family because there's a lot of positive things about my family. But I can't tell you how many stories started with, boy, remember when we were so drunk? <laughs> or remember, remember when we got in so much trouble? Remember we got in that bad accident? Remember when this terrible... And of course, years later, you know, it's kind of laughter. And remember, remember that one time? But you know, that, that kind of laughter, that kind of joking is masking alcohol abuse in my family. It's masking depression in my family. It's masking suicide that's been a part of, of my family's story. And so being at my Uncle John's memorial, there was tons of positive. There was tons of, I was uh, remembering with my Uncle Jim about his old beat-up VW Beetle that he let me sit in and pretend to drive and, and about how my uncles would always kiss me on the lips, which freaked me out as a kid, but they were just very affectionate guys, you know. And, and we were reminiscing about all these things, and all that was, was great, but there was also this reminder that there's a lot of brokenness in my family. And so our origin stories, sometimes they remind us of the brokenness. And I'm sure there was a lot of brokenness over the second generation who had to watch all of their parents die before they could even enter the land. And now they're being charged by, by Moses. This is your chance. And, and, and if you read Deuteronomy 29 and 30, and it, it's not just blessing, it's warnings. It's, hey, don't be like the people before you. Don't be faithless. God, God is going to judge you if you don't show faith in him. But origin stories also reveal the positives of where we came from. 
And I'm sure a big part of that was the reminder of Abraham and how he left a place to go to a land that he didn't know, how he trusted the God of power and promise, how Isaac did the same, how Jacob did the same, how God had preserved his people in Egypt those 400 years. And now they were ready to move forward. And finally, origin stories infuse our journey with purpose and they help chart the course of our intended destination. This new generation was heading into hostile territory, not just in terms of the people being there being their enemies, but they were heading into hostile territory in the sense that the people that were living in this land had detestable practices. They sacrificed children to the god Baal. They committed incest on a regular basis. A lot of the children we know now from archaeology were born with deformities because of the rampant incest. Their god uh, was celebrated for rape of his sister. These were a, a vile and detestable people. And God was warning them to be separate to remember their heritage, to remember Abraham, to remember Isaac, to remember Jacob, to go in and drive them out. And we're going to talk about all the details of, of, of how that works. And, and, and in our modern culture, it's hard to understand. But, but he was saying, drive them all out and take possession of this land. They needed to understand their purpose. They needed to understand where they came from and what they were being called to do. They needed to be reminded that God is a God of power and promise. And that as their forefathers had disobeyed, they needed to show obedience and faith. And so that is the, those are the people that received Genesis first. Those are the people who, in terms of the the written form that we have today, that's who the Holy Spirit inspired Moses to write this, this book for. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't have incredible meaning for us today. But I think that when we understand Genesis in this way, we probably start to realize that they probably weren't arguing about the age of the earth. (laughs) They probably weren't arguing about the mechanics of the flood or how the Tower of Babel worked because that wasn't the point of what Moses was telling them. The point of what Moses was telling them is that this God who spoke the universe into being mercifully and graciously called your forefathers to be a special chosen people and promised them a possession, and a land, and to be a blessing. And that's what they needed to hear. And I think that's what we need to hear today. Because we live in a culture that over the last 50 years has relentlessly tried to change our origin story. It used to be that the average person that you would meet, if you really just had a surface conversation about their worldview, at some point they would reveal that they basically believed that at some point God created the world and that they had a purpose because they were created by God. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator. These are fundamental principles of our culture, of our origin story. And over the last 50 years, there has been a systematic attempt to remove that And to say that all of life didn't originate from a creator God, but originated from non-life. That somehow, billions of years ago, some explosion happened in space, and then billions of years later, some rock on planet Earth 
was struck by lightning and some single-celled organism came to life and then billions of years later, that evolved into some more complex organism and, and many, many millions of years later, that evolved until finally we get people. And I'm oversimplifying it. So if you're a science major, I know that I'm butchering evolution here. But that, that's the basic simpleton timeline for someone like me to understand it. But, he, but here's the takeaway. You have no purpose. You, you have no origin story. There is no creator. There is no God of power and promise. Well, how do we know what's right and wrong? Well, what does the group think? What, what seems best to you? Well, that seems a little bit radical. All right, well, let's get more and more people together and agree together what's right, right and wrong. Well, what if those two groups disagree? Well, let's try not to kill each other. I mean, that's really where we're going to get into this a little deeper. But, but in our culture, there has been a systematic attempt to, to remove God as the creator and to remove any sense of purpose or any sense of an origin story from us as a people. And we're going to talk about this in, in other weeks in our series, but it has had dramatic consequences and if you're someone here today and you're struggling with whether or not you believe that, uh, that God is real or, or, or that creation makes sense in, in light of science, or if you if, if you're grew up as a Christian, but the beliefs that you were taught when you were younger, you've gone to a science class, you've read a couple books, you've watched some videos on YouTube, and now your faith is shaken and you don't know what to believe, and, and you feel like your foundations are, are falling apart, I want to tell you, stay with us, come back. Because I think what you're going to find is that the bill that you've been sold is far weaker an argument than you could have expected. And the truth of God's word every single day is being vindicated more and more as in alignment with what we see in science and what we see about our true origins. We need to understand our origin story. We need to understand that we are created by God, that, that we have purpose, that we have meaning, that life has value because God created it and he loves us. We need to understand that because Jesus Christ was sent by God, the son of God, to live the perfect life that we could never live because he died on the cross to pay the price for sins that we were supposed to pay because he rose from the dead to defeat death and to reconcile all things to himself that we can have his origin story. That whatever slavery you've wrestled with, whatever failures you've had, whatever has caused you to, to question and doubt the God of power and promise in Christ, in Christ, you can have a new foundation. You can move forward with confidence in the God of power and promise. You don't have to keep going back to what you already know because it's more comfortable. You can step out in faith in what God has for you, believing in who he is. Origin stories matter. They tell us where we came from. They help us get where we need to go. They infuse our life with purpose and meaning. They tell us the positive and negatives of where we came from. And as we go through the book of Genesis, I think what we're going to see is that the origin story of Genesis 1 through 12 has profound implications for our Christian life today. You've been listening to the sermon podcast of Christ Community Church. To access more messages, you can visit us online at www.christcommunityfm.com. Dot com.